0: whatever it may be, get, go into our New Beginnings, uh, our New Believers Bible classes that we have. It's each and every weekend, they're rotating. You can get more info right at the info desk. Um, go to the info desk and get the information there. But if, you know, that is for you. If you're a new believer, you have questions about the Bible, you want to learn more about the Bible, check that out. Amen? Amen? Amen. Well, we are continuing our series that we started last weekend here this weekend. So let's welcome our lead pastor, Joe Source. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Um, I do want to make mention of one thing before we get into the message here today. Uh, last weekend, if you were here, you remember that we took an offering uh, to aid uh, certain organizations in Israel. Uh, we said that we were going to extend it to this weekend. So at this time, if you were not prepared last weekend to give, and you do desire to give, you can do it same as we do with our offerings. You can get an envelope in the front there, in that seat pocket in front of you, or you can go online. You can go to the App, If you have our church app or you can go give online, there's a designation there for Israel. So uh, understand that this is an important thing for us to take part of. I shared this and I I really hesitate to go into a lot of detail uh, because I shared a lot in the first service and uh, it kind of took some time away from the rest of the service. I don't want to do that. But I need you to understand something here because I'm concerned that too many of us Christians are not realizing the seriousness of the situation and not realizing the opportunity that we have uh, in our hands to be a part of what God wants to do to pour out his goodness, his compassion, his mercy upon the people that are involved in this conflict. Look, this isn't your normal uh, country-to-country conflict, okay? Right now, we have a bunch of conflicts going on around the world. We don't even hear about some of them anymore because it's just been going on for so long. For instance, the situation that's going on in Ukraine right now, that is political, that's a political situation. That is a situation about money, it's about power, it's about, it's about a, a land grab, pretty much. It's about who's gonna control people's lives, okay? That's not what's happening in Israel. In Israel, this is like one of the battles that you read about in the Old Testament. This is the, the kingdom of God uh, a, a contrary to, or in opposition to, the kingdom of the enemy, okay? The lines are very distinct. It's unfortunate that there's innocence involved uh, in this that are being used by individuals to to get them in the middle of this thing, so it it produces the most uh, crisis and the most uh, news and propaganda as possible. But please understand the significance of this. We are connected to this. Whatever happens to the nation of Israel reflects upon the church. And whatever happens in the church should reflect upon the nation of Israel. Okay, the nation of Israel is a miracle. It's not something that just took, came to, to pass. It was prophesied and predicted probably 2,500 years ago, 2,700 years ago, Amen. that this nation would arise out of the ashes in one day. And that's exactly what took place. Okay, <clears throat> we are part of this. Understand that the book that you carry and hold so precious, the word of God, is, is for the Jews first and then for the non-Jewish nations. you realize this i understand that the church the body of christ all over the world is much bigger than the jewish population of the world but understand this god dealt with abram and told abram out of you i'm going to raise up a family i'm going to raise up a nation i'm going to raise up a lineage that's eventually going to lead to this messiah that would come. So as I shared with the service this morning, and please, while I'm talking, if you're gonna fill out an envelope, do it now. If you're gonna go online, do it now, because we're gonna receive that offering, and then that'll be it after this weekend. Um, <clears throat> by the time you get to Genesis chapter three, okay? So we're only two and a half chapters into the Bible. In Genesis chapter three fifteen, God is prophesying the Messiah that this Messiah would come, he would crush the head of the serpent, and in crushing the head of the serpent, the serpent would bruise his heel. That's exactly what took place at the cross. Jesus, through death, defeated Satan, but Satan had the opportunity to inflict death upon the Messiah. Of course, he rose again from the dead. We understand that. So now watch this now. From Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, to the end of the book of Revelation, is all about the Messiah. Okay? You understand this? The book of Exodus is about the Messiah. The book of Leviticus is about the Messiah. The the prophet's writings are about the Messiah. The Psalms are about the Messiah. The entire Bible is about Jesus, our Messiah. He's a Jewish Messiah. Now, we are in this time frame called the church age. I'm gonna make this very brief. I'm not gonna speak about this in depth. We are in this church age. The church age in the plan of God is a 2,000 year pause. I could picture God having a conversation with Abraham in heaven and going, I made promises to you, and they're gonna come to pass. However, I want to reach the rest of the people in this world, and therefore, I gotta put you and your descendants on hold while the non-Jewish nations hear the gospel, that's the church. But we're coming to the end of the church age. In fact, I am of the opinion that we are in the transition between the end of the church age and the beginning, the very first beginnings of the tribulation period, which then eventually goes into a 1,000 years of peace. All right? We're already, seeing, we're already seeing all the attention in the world focusing on Israel again. When the church is taken off this planet, which will happen soon, okay, then God will return his attention back to the nation of Israel, and he will deal with them just like he dealt with in the Old Testament. Are you understanding this? So whatever you and I are sowing, whether it's prayers, whether it's finances, whether it's when we come. Now, listen, here's another thing I forgot to say in the other service. We live in an area with a large concentration of Jewish people, yes or no? Yes. Okay, we, we meet them, we run into them, we might live in the neighborhoods with them, we might, might see them when we shop, whatever. Try to look for every opportunity to tell them, we're praying for you. You can't imagine what that does because they think we hate them. They're raised to think that the Christian world has nothing to do with Judaism, is completely separate from them. They don't have a clue. The majority of those people do not have a clue. And when you tell them, our church takes time to pray for the nation of Israel, our church is praying for the Jewish people, you do it and see what happens. Okay. They think we don't like them. They think that we're opposed to them. They don't think we have any understanding of who they are and what they believe. Okay? So take that opportunity. All right? I expect to hear some reports from you. Amen? Amen. Okay, ushers, can you go about, if there is any, anybody that's partaking in this offering here or participating, can you please receive that offering so I can get into the message now? Amen? Amen. Amen. Don't forget to pray for Israel. In fact, there's a special promise in the book of Psalms. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper who love thee. How many of you want to prosper? Just a few of you. How many of you want to prosper? Okay. Then, then if we do what the Bible tells us to prosper, then we will prosper. And we are told specifically to pray because this whole thing is about one group of people in one small area of the world and one city in particular. That's what this whole thing is about. Okay? Okay. amen Amen. god bless you okay we're going to get into the message today okay we started the series last week and the series the goal of the series is for us to really hone in on who jesus is and all that he's accomplished for us and his character his nature his love for us his compassion for us because you know we have this habit in the church world when we get born again we can save we receive christ as our savior And that's good, and we receive salvation, and we know we're going to heaven and all that, good. And then we start delving into other topics. Now, these topics are important, but like in any given particular year, you know, I'll go back and I'll I'll look and say, okay, when was the last time I taught on this subject? When was the last time I taught on this? So I get a pretty good idea. I'll go through my files, and I'll say, okay, back in 2020, I taught on this, and maybe 2018, I taught on other things, so now there's so many new people, so now we need to go back and learn that again amen how many of you in this church less than five years let me see your hands wow that's a lot how about less than a year still a lot okay so that's why every once in a while we need to go back on some topics and some of you that have been here for years thank you for being respectful thank you for being flexible thank you for for not saying oh my god i remember when he taught this in 19 just just let that go okay (laughs) give me the freedom to be able to do what i need to do all right So what ends up happening is now what happens? We get, and we'll spend five weeks teaching on forgiveness and another six weeks teaching on love and another uh, a month teaching on peace and and a month teaching on on provision. And we just got done with a series on giving and finances and the part that it plays. And then by the end of the year, you go, when was the last time we talked about Jesus? And so that's why we're doing this topic. Why? Because if we focus on him, and we get to know him better, and we, and we get to just saturate ourselves with who he is, all of a sudden we realize now it's not so hard to forgive. Now it's not so hard to walk in love. All of a sudden then we realize, wow, my life seems more peaceful now because I'm not focusing on all these other things and the stuff and the craziness going on in my life and the craziness in my family and my job. and all this other. I'm focused on Jesus the author, and the finisher of our faith. Amen? Amen. So, um, I'm going to, for the sake of time, get right to the subject that I want to get to. Amen? Amen. I want to, just on the way there, I want to talk about the fact that the Bible calls Jesus Emmanuel. Now, we're coming up to the Christmas season pretty soon. Dear God, could you believe that? (laughs) Yesterday was Memorial Day. (laughs) And last week, we had a, last week we had a staff meeting talking about Christmas and all the time we go, oh, I'm not ready for this. The Bible refers to him in the book of Isaiah and also in the Gospel of Matthew, Emmanuel. Could you say that, please? Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Okay, Emmanuel is a, is a conglomeration of a couple of words. Basically what it translates as is God with us. Not God far away. Not God in some building someplace. Not God on top of some mountain. God with us. Okay? And Matthew affirms this, that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. We know that. We understand that. But here's what I want to get to. Do you really understand what that does to our soul when we comprehend and grasp the fact that he is not just seated in heaven someplace but that his spirit actually lives in us now i'm talking about if you're a believer i'm talking about if you have received christ if you have declared him as your lord and savior okay you have received his spirit living in you what does that tell me that tells me that we should stop talking like this well when i get to church i need to pray for so and so what i hope to god it's not time sensitive I hope the person doesn't have a nitroglycerin pill under their tongue (laughs) waiting for you to pray because you've got the mindset you need to go to church to pray. No, honey, you are the church. You are, Paul made it very clear in the scriptures in the New Testament that we now, having received the Spirit of God, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. I don't need to travel to Jerusalem to shove a piece of paper in a crack in the wall. Okay, that's wonderful, and people do that's okay. But I don't need to go there. I can pray right where I am. I don't need to go to Rome to go say a prayer. I don't need to go to the church with the stained glass windows and light a candle. You can light a candle at home if you want. I don't know how much good it's gonna do, but you can light a candle. (laughs) Okay, let's get rid of this mindset because you probably grew up, if you grew up in the same kind of background I grew up, you probably grew up when you sat in church in a pew, somebody would turn around and go, "Shh, you're in the house of God." Insinuating, when I leave this place, I leave God behind me. You understanding? And that's why some of us, and I'm not saying anybody here would do this because you're way more intelligent than that. That's why some people, when they're in crisis, what's the first place they want to do? Oh, I, what did they say? Now, you wouldn't do this because you're more intelligent. I got to get back to church. Why? Is there a magical thing that happens when you cross the threshold? You see what I'm talking about? He is with you. If you are a believer, he lives in you. His spirit lives in your spirit. You can have church any place you want. You can pray. You're supposed to go lay hands on. Well, when I get to church, you'll have them pray for me because I feel sick. Why would you wait till you get here? Because subconsciously, you have this mindset that He's someplace other than where you are. God is with us. Amen. He never leaves us, He never forsakes us. Amen. He's always with us Amen. into eternity. He'll always be with us. You got that? Yes. Understand that about Jesus, okay? Say, well, he left. He went to heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Yeah, but his spirit is here. Amen. And his spirit lives in every single one of us that's ever confessed him as Lord and Savior. Amen. He's with you. Amen. Amen? Amen. I just got a check on the inside. He's with us when we need him. He's with us when we're doing stuff that we don't want him to see. <laughs> Turn to somebody and say, He's still with us. <laughs> yes. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. I want to get into this part two of the message by quoting from a book that I received from the minister that was here in the beginning of the summer, Reverend Kirk Dubois. His book, uh, Through the Blood and Through the Flood, I've been, I've been working through this book. It's an excellent book. If you didn't get a chance to get one when he was here, I would suggest you go online and try to order one from his ministry. Here's the quote that I want to hone in on, and this is the foundation for today's message. Grab a hold of this marvelous truth that everything mankind lost through the sin of Adam, has been restored to mankind through Jesus Christ. I want you to to let that settle in. I'm going to read it again. Grab hold of this marvelous truth. Everything that mankind lost through the sin of Adam, in other words, when Adam and Eve fell, what they allowed to come into the human experience, okay, everything they lost has been, past tense, has been restored to us to mankind through Jesus Christ, okay? Now, I'm gonna hone in on two of those things. One, I'm gonna spend a very brief amount of time. The other point, I wanna spend the maximum amount of time that I can. Because of Jesus and because of what he's done, because of his love for us, because of his sacrificial act on the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection, what's been restored to us, number one, is right standing with God. Number two that we're going to talk about today is communication with God, and that's the one I want to spend a lot of time on. Right standing with God, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time. I'm going to describe it to you this way, okay? How many of you at some point in your life can remember having a really good relationship with another person? Let me see your hands. You're telling me that the rest of you that didn't raise your hands in all of your life had not had one good relationship. (laughs) And you expect me to believe that. So let's try it again. How many of you have had at least one good relationship in your life? I don't know what to tell the rest of you. (laughs) But now, imagine now you have this good relationship with somebody. You take, you're free to take them into your confidence. You understand each other. You have a lot of things in common. Even the things that you don't have in common, most of the time you're able to work through those things. But can you remember a time, now this could be between a husband and wife, this could be between parent and siblings, this could be between siblings, this could be neighbors, this could be any type of relationship. Imagine how a time when something came into that relationship and caused conflict? Can you remember the awkwardness? Now, especially if it's somebody that you can't get away from. You gotta live, you have to live your life with these individuals involved in it. How many remember the awkwardness when there's that, that conflict, that strife, that stress? How remember that awkwardness, right? And it's almost like, I, I don't know if this could ever be the same again. It's like something changes, you don't relate to each other anymore. All of a sudden, again, the body language changes. Are you you here with me? You, You know what I'm saying? Okay, now imagine you reconcile and all of that stuff goes away, and you literally go back to the way the relationship was when there was peace, when there was harmony, when there was love, where you couldn't wait to serve the other person and bless the other person, and they couldn't wait to bless you. How many, that, that's right standing with God. Are you getting this? Jesus, when he died on the cross, his blood brought us into the position to be able to come back into that relationship with God where he has absolutely no recollection of any of the wrong that we've done. We have no recollection of the guilt or condemnation or just that feeling of, wow, I'm such a loser. I, I just, I've sinned. All that weight and all that pressure, that gets wiped away from us as far as God is concerned. Now the problem comes when we're not aware of that perspective and we continue to live our lives as if he's aware of every sin, every wrong thought, every word that we spoke that was contrary or or was not a blessing to somebody. The enemy wants us to stay in the position where we're constantly aware of ourselves because that's what he did to Adam. Adam and Eve were completely preoccupied completely obsessed with the presence of God. They didn't, they didn't have any clue of who they were themselves. They had no idea they were even naked. The sin that came into this world caused them to become self-centered rather than God-centered. What we're trying to get to the place, through the word of God, through the renewing of our minds, okay, is to get to the place where we're no longer self-centered, but we are constantly becoming more and more Christ-centered. Are you catching this? Now, you and I cannot attain that on our own. So when you said, Jesus, I believe in you, come into my life, be my Lord, my Savior, that was enough for God to take you, pluck you out of your old life, as far as God's concerned. And place you in a position where you can stand before his presence without any sense of guilt or condemnation. That's right standing. You got it? Good. I don't want to spend any more time on that. I want to talk about communication with God. Because this is an area that many of us are weak in. We do not comprehend. We have not grasped the reality. It hasn't crystallized for us yet that the very one who created the universe, the very one who spoke the planets into being, put the stars into position, the very one who created an entire realm that we do not see with natural eyes in addition to the realm that we live in, the realm of the five senses, we still don't comprehend that that person all the intelligence of the universe, all the wisdom that's ever available, that person is willing to sit down with us and listen to our dribble. And God, this is what happened. And God, that's what happened. And God, this is how this person made me feel. And God, this is what I'm dealing with. And God, how come this? And God, how come that? And he is love. Because nobody else but love could sit there and listen to us. (laughs) Are you listening to me? Okay, we go about, now none of us would ever say that, but we live our lives in such a way, it's like we sometimes will even say, man, I feel so far away from God. And he's like, what are you talking about? I said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. I don't know that if God really understands what I'm going, and he's like, what? I've been touched with all the weaknesses. I've been touched with all the temptations. I know what it's like to live on that planet. So what do we do? We stuff, and we stuff, and we stuff, and we don't really know him. Because if we really knew him, instead of us running to one another, instead of us running to another flawed human individual, we would go directly to Jesus and say, "Uh, we need to talk. And we would be so free to be transparent, so free to be vulnerable, so free to be just like... Look, Look! I know I made this mess. I know there's a 90% of this mess that I'm dealing with right now. I know I'm responsible for that. But please help me. Because right now I feel like I'm trying to unscramble scrambled eggs. How many have ever felt like that? You, you turn around in a season of life and go, how the heck, how did we get, how did I get here? Are you listening? Yes. I want us to see an incident in the life of an individual I know many of you know this story, but please listen to it with fresh ears. Listen to it as if it's the first time you're hearing it because I guarantee maybe you're going to pick up something that you didn't see before. Amen? And so if you'll have a a corporate expectation, then those that are among us who may be new to the faith, that maybe have never read this part of the Bible, maybe this is really going to minister to them. Amen? Amen? Turn to somebody and say, it's not all about us. It's about the other people, too. John chapter 4, verse 5. Now, I'm going to have to take some time to give you some background here. I don't want to assume that everybody knows the backstory here. All right? I'm going to read this first verse, and then we're going to spend some time talking, and then we'll get back into the scriptures. Is that good? Okay. You got your Bible app? I want you to see. If you have, please start bringing your Bibles. Crickets. Crickets. Please start bringing your Bibles. We are a teaching church. If you're used to going to a church where you just sit there and spectate, I'm asking you to break that habit, okay? Just break it and start bringing your Bibles. Turn to somebody on the other side and say, please bring your Bible next week. (laughs) It's important for you to see it. There's something happens when you see it for yourself on a page, okay? So he, who's he? Well, It's capitalized. Who's he? Jesus. Jesus. So Jesus came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Okay? So obviously, John's writing this to people who would know geographically exactly where this is. Now, stop here. We'll go back to verse 6. It's extremely important that we know that this happened in Samaria, and it happened at a town, a village called Sikhar. Sikhar is the area where Jacob, you remember Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you remember, remember him? Okay, the father of the 12 tribes. of Israel. He dug a well there thousands of years before this. And this incident that we're going to go into takes place at this well. Now, here's the situation. Why is it important for us to talk about Samaria? Samaria exists to this day in Israel. Okay. I don't know if it's part of the West Bank or if it's part of Israel proper, I'm not sure, but it's kind of north-central Israel, okay? Now, there's something that took place in Samaria about 700 years before this, minimum 500 years, okay? There was an empire called Assyria, okay? Assyria was one of the cruelest empires that ever existed in history. They conquered most of the known world back then, the eastern Mediterranean, going in as far as, like, Afghanistan, even possibly towards India, okay? And here's what they did. They would come and conquer a land. Let's say if they came, if they existed today, and they came and they conquered Ocean County. What their practice was, they would deport all the people from Ocean County and put them in Southern California someplace. God forbid. (laughs) Okay? And then they would take the people from Southern California and deport, deport them to Ocean County. This is, in fact, exactly what happened. When Assyria conquered that area of Israel, they took all the people, they deported all the people to the furthest part of their empire, which would have been in Afghanistan, Pakistan, that area. And even to today, there are remnants of Jewish traditions amongst the people there, and they don't know why they do it. They don't know why they light candles on Friday nights. They don't know why they don't eat pork. They were, they're just, this is the way we always did it. They don't understand that they're the descendants of the people that were deported there, during that captivity, okay? Then they would take the people from that part of their empire and bring them and um, uh, re-assimilate them in the area of Samaria. So now here you are, centuries later, you've got people that intermarried with these individuals that came from the other side of the Assyrian Empire who brought their own idols, their own culture, their own food, their own everything, and now the Jews are over there on the other side of the empire. So now the Samaritans They started developing their own form of Judaism because the Jews did not want to associate with these people because they weren't purebred, 100% descendants of Abraham. Are you getting this? So now here we are, hundreds of years later, and there is hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans. There is discrimination, there's prejudice, they don't wanna talk to each other, they don't wanna deal with each other. In fact, it was rare that a Jew would come into the area of Samaria if you needed to go to the northern part of Israel. Instead of passing through Samaria, Traditionally, you would cross on the other side of the Jordan River, go up what's present day Jordan and then cross back again so that you didn't have to encounter a Samaritan. That's how bad it was. Okay? So now you'll understand the backstory of what's going to take place here. So he came to a city, uh, blah, blah, blah. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. And it was about the Which is noontime, midday. It's midday. It's midday in the Middle East. It's hot. Okay, you got that? Good. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. I'm sure he said it nicer than that. Okay. For his disciples had gone away into the city because the well is located, any wells in the Middle East are usually located outside of the city outside of the village, so that anybody could have access to the well, okay? So the disciples left him there. They go into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, now you'll understand why she's saying this to Jesus. How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Next verse. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would give you living water. So she's talking about natural water. He's talking about spiritual things. Okay. She has no clue who she's talking to. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? are you greater than our father jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock jesus answered said there whoever drinks of this water natural water say natural water whoever drinks of this natural water will thirst again but whoever drinks of the water that i shall give him will never thirst but the water that i shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life now stop there for a second he said to whoever drinks of this natural water is going to be thirsty again. I don't know about you, but I can remember times in my life when I was searching for something that was going to take the place of that void, of that sense of emptiness, of that sense that something's missing, something's not right, this pressure, this, this heaviness. This, and, and you tried to shove everything in there. All right? Maybe you shoved your career in there. You see, maybe it was a relationship. Maybe it was was sex. Maybe it was substance abuse. Maybe it's any of these things that we try to shove in there, and we find out that we're only thirsty again because it doesn't fulfill us. He's offering her living water, the life of the Spirit, okay? Let's go back to whatever that was. Okay. She said to him, Sir... Give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw, nor come here to draw. What is she saying? Give me this water so I don't have to come here with these heavy clay pots and try to draw water from here at 12 o'clock noon when the sun's at the highest point so that you spare me from having to come to this well. And we'll talk about this in a minute. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And we at our Western mindset are going, what the heck is the connection? What's the connection? She's looking for water. He tells her, go get your husband. Okay? Because the conversation is going to get serious now. And out of respect, Jesus says, go get your husband and bring him here. Now I'll address the both of you. What does this sound like? Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve fall. Okay? She really is the one who takes the first step. But who does God address? Adam. Why? Because it's a matter of honor. It's a matter of respect. Are you listening to me? Don't let that go by because there's a reason why Jesus said that. So watch now how she's going to answer. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have well said I have no husband. Because you've had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. Which tells us why she's going to the well at 12 o'clock noon because all the other women go 6 o'clock in the morning when it's cool or 7 o'clock at night when the sun's gone down. But if she goes at those times, she's got to confront the women of the village who she probably has become very good friends with their husbands. Yeah. What is she saying? She has a past. Anybody in here have a past? Yeah. I'll ask it even better. Anybody in here have a past that you don't want nobody to know about? Just a few of us. The rest of you are still living in that river in Egypt. Denial. (laughs) Are you getting the story here? Now, she just thinks that she's found the listening ear. She has no clue who she has just encountered. Okay? And, 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 you know... When are we going to stop looking for another human being to go to and to try to vent and to try to tell all our stories and all this other stuff? Because we, all we could do was listen to each other. Okay? All we can do is listen to each other. But she's about to encounter now not only the person who's willing to listen, but the person that can change, change the path of her life for all of eternity. Amen? So let's go back to that. Let's see what happens next. Do you not okay where are we what scripture are we at okay so now here's what happens let's go back to verse 19 I'm going to talk a little bit here Dominic and then you go back to 19 all right now she got her mail read you know what I'm talking about she said sometimes people come to church and they'll come afterwards and go oh my god how did you know this is exactly what's going on in my life I don't know but the Holy Ghost knows, Amen. okay? Man, you, you, you said exactly what's going on, and you, you knew exactly, and you, you just, everything you said was like as if you're talking directly to me. Trust me, I know what that feels like, okay? <laughs> so now what happens? She's got this past. Now, look, forgive me for saying it this way, but if this incident took place in 2023, it would have been no big deal. Why? Because so many people have gone through multiple relationships, jump from this relationship to that relationship that relationship that relationship, living together with this one and living together with that one and jumping from this bed to that bed. Don't get mad at me. Okay. So in 2023, it would have been, well, what's the big deal? But back then she just opened up to a major, major scandal in her life. So what happens now? He's pretty much telling her a story and it's very uncomfortable. Have you ever had that situation happen to you? Have you ever had where God comes and confronts you, either through somebody or just confronts you, and and you're you're in a position now where you're like, oh my God, man, everything's getting exposed in my life here. This is extremely uncomfortable. Especially when you take into consideration the fact that 90% of our mess is usually our responsibility. (laughs) Okay, so now what happens? We withdraw. We come so close, to opening up and so close to becoming vulnerable and transparent which is going to lead to our healing but we go no she, she opened up a little bit but now it's very uncomfortable so watch what she does, she does just what we do we change subjects right, she, we change subject. go ahead, verse 19 the woman said to him, now after he just told her you have five husbands and now you're living with a guy that you're not even married to And she says, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Duh. Yeah, I think you hit that one pretty good. Now, watch now, she's going to take advantage of the controversy that exists between Jerusalem and Samaria because she wants to get off the subject of me and she just wants to talk about general things like, hey man, how bad did the Yankees stink this year? Okay, that's what she, she wants to switch the subject so it doesn't, because she feels vulnerable and she's afraid because she may get hurt again by trusting this guy that she doesn't know who he is. Are you listening to me? Our fathers worshiped on this mountain and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place one ought to worship. Jesus is like, no, you're not gonna pull this stunt with me. You're not gonna play this game with me, okay? And he nips it. He goes, woman, believe me, the hour is coming where well, you're neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what, what, we, what we know. We worship for salvation is of the... Jews. You, you see how quiet you said that? Let's say it again. For salvation is of the... Jews. What did I say in the beginning of the service before we even got to the message? This is a Jewish thing. This whole salvation plan is a Jewish thing. We got into it by the mercy of God. But what's happened over the centuries is that we went like this. The church is here, the Jews are here, and we went. And we made it a, an American thing. We made it a Western European thing. But all the time, it's been about to choose. But the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such a worship. He's going, cut out the religious garbage, stop bringing up this controversy. This is about you, okay? God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth, not in a building on a mountain someplace. And that's where we are today. We don't have to travel to some building. They had, in Samaria, set up their own temple. They came up with their own sacrificial system. And all the while, they're competing with true Judaism in Jerusalem. He's going, you know what? This is a bunch of baloney. Whether you worship in Samaria or worship in Jerusalem, day's coming where you're not going to have to go to a building. Okay, and we're in that day. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who was called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Mr. Listening ear, Mr. Nice Guy at the well. Okay, watch this now. Jesus said there. say it nice and loud with me, one, two, three. I who speak to you and he. Oh, my God. Here she's thinking she's got... Some nice guy who's willing to listen to her, you know, she hasn't asked her for her number, didn't offer to buy her a drink. <laughs> and she finds out that she has stumbled upon the person that everybody's been waiting for for 3,000 years. And he reveals himself to her. What's happened here? He's trying to rip the scab off so he can heal she's holding on to the scab and reinforcing it with a religious mask and he's not going to put up with it why? because it's extremely important that this woman knows who he is because what happens next can you give me the next verse after that look at what happens why did she go to the well what does she do next then she left her water pot. All of a sudden, it's not, there's no concern for the water anymore. And she went into her, her, she went her way into the city and said to the who? Because she knows these guys, <laughs> and all their wives know that she knows these guys. So what's happened here? Here's a woman broken. Full of shame. How do you know she's feeling shame? Because she doesn't want to go there when the other women are there. She's hiding. She still needs the water, so she has no choice. She's got to go out when the sun is blazing. And she meets Jesus. And he, by the Holy Ghost, knows her entire background, her backstory. And has compassion for her. And gives her the opportunity to come clean gives her the opportunity to go I've made a mess of my life I've been damaged we know she doesn't trust guys because she has a hard time relating to him she knows she's being talked about by everybody in the village as damaged as she is Because of the hurts and the wounds and everything else, she's willing to put her life on the line. Because she's sleeping with a guy she's not married to. And under the law of Moses, she can be dragged out to the edge of the city and stoned to death. And him too. But you see, when you're hurt, and I want you to grab this, please. Otherwise, we accomplish nothing here today. When you're hurt and you're wounded and you've had multiple damage, you do desperate things to try to heal that stuff on your own. And we, they blow up in our face and we get more and more and more trouble. And our souls become more and more damaged. And the more individuals that we try to shove into that space where God should be, the more junk we pick up because they attach to our soul. Every relationship we go through, we get impacted by But listen to me, I'm going to say this, and really it's part of another message. Every sexual partner that we take into our lives, it forms a spiritual bond. And that's why, now I'll say this ahead of time, there's healing for that. And God could redeem that. (laughs) But that's why the more of these type of physical relationships that a person gets involved with, the more messed up their soul becomes. Because just because the person is not physically there anymore does not mean that they don't have a place in your soul. I remember many years ago, many years ago, probably close to 35 years ago, I was a youth youth minister. I wouldn't say pastor, but a youth leader. And I came across this video that I showed to my youth group, about 30 kids. And it's this husband and wife. He's got the tuxedo on. She's got the wedding dress on. And it's after the, after the reception, they go to the hotel. It's their first night together. And she sits on the bed, she's got her wedding dress on. He excuses himself, goes into the bathroom. And as soon as he shuts the bathroom door, four or five guys pop out of nowhere on her bed. And she says to them, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Get, leave here, he's gonna see you. And they go, to, they go to her. We're with you for the rest of your life because she had sex with each one of those men. The same thing happens with a guy. The more hookups, the more seeds get deposited in your soul. And I I, I will stand here with all confidence in God to say to you, I don't know if that's your case, but if that is your case, I would say to you, go before the Lord, ask Him for forgiveness, ask Him for cleansing, Ask him to break those ties that exist in your soul with those individuals. Otherwise, they are with you for the rest of your life. This woman, Jesus has given her the opportunity to break that cycle and to move on. So what happens? The woman who is completely broken, damaged, pitiful, having to hide from people in her own village, was made whole again. Not only was she made whole, but she went from being the talk of the village to being the evangelist of the village. Because she goes, and as a result of her going back into the city, all these men, and we're assuming other ones because it's a multitude, come out from the city, and now they're listening to Jesus one-on-one. She went from having no purpose to having a, a, a critical... INTEGRAL PURPOSE, BECAUSE THEN LATER ON IN THE BOOK OF ACTS, WE FIND OUT THAT IN THE AREA OF SAMARIA, AFTER JESUS ROSE from THE DEAD AND ASCENDED INTO HEAVEN, IT'S THE AREA OF SAMARIA THAT EXPERIENCES A TREMENDOUS REVIVAL, AND ALL THE PEOPLE IN THE AREA COME TO CHRIST. WHY? BECAUSE OF THE SEEDS THAT WERE PLANTED IN THEIR HEARTS FROM THAT WOMAN AT THE WELL. WE HAVE TO LEAVE HERE. TIME HAS GONE BY. I WANT YOU TO STAND UP IMMEDIATELY. I'M GONNA JUST MAKE THIS REAL BRIEF. I'M GONNA ASK YOU TO RESPOND AS QUICKLY AS YOU CAN. I'M GONNA ASK YOU TO BE TRANSPARENT BEFORE GOD. IF YOU FIND YOURSELF RIGHT NOW TODAY IN THAT PLACE OF BEING STUCK WITH THE WOUNDS, WITH THE SCABS, NOT EVEN SCARS, WITH THE SCABS, WITH WOUNDS THAT ARE OPEN, THAT HAVE NOT YET BEEN HEALED BECAUSE YOU HAVE NOT BEEN WILLING TO TAKE THEM TO THE LORD. You yeah, I've not been willing to get before the Father and just say, Lord, I can't live like this anymore. I know that I've done most of this to myself, so forgive me. Father, I forgive those that have done things to me that have caused me hurt and caused me wounds. But Father, I want to go from this season and I want you to launch me into the next season of my future. But I want to go in healed. I don't want to carry this with me. I'm tired of hiding. I'm tired of the shame. I'm tired of the fear. I want to be free. If that's you, make your way out of your seats. Come on up here. We'll pray for you. The rest of you, God bless you. You're dismissed. Those of you that want prayer, come on up.